Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. jump into the word. Matthew chapter 16. Let's go there. Week two of We Are the Church. Um, We're talking about um, God's plan for the church, God's vision for the church, defining the church last week. And so we're going to look at uh, the same passage that we did last week where the word church is first mentioned in scripture. And it's Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 through 19. Just reading a couple of verses there. It says, Jesus replied, you, Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has re- revealed this to you. And so what, what is taking place here is Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples about who people say that he is. And so people have said that Jesus is John the Baptist, you know, Elijah, one of the other prophets. And then Jesus asks the disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter steps out first and says, you are the son of God. You are the Messiah. And Jesus is saying, you're right. You're right and you're blessed, and no one has revealed this to you except my Father in heaven. He says, you didn't learn this from any human being. And so now he says in verse 18, I say to you that you are Peter, so changing his name from Simon to Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build this church. I will build my church. Um, And what he's referring to is, is Peter is not the rock that the church is going to be built on, that the revelation of who Jesus is, is the rock, is the foundation that the church will be built on. And he says, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom that whatever you forbid on earth or loose on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And so, yes, so we planted Avenue Church on January the 17th. We opened our doors of January the 17th, 2021. Uh, but you have to understand that that every church that you see on any corner here in Murfreesboro or whatever city you grew up in, it was not the pastor's idea that the church is Jesus's idea. And that he's saying, look, I will build, what does he say? He doesn't say, I will build your church. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell. And so that is extremely comforting to me is that Jesus is the one building the church. Now, we have a responsibility and I have a responsibility to be obedient in moving in a direction and doing the things that he has called us to do as far as what Avenue Church is supposed to do in fulfilling the mission. But ultimately, the only thing that you and I are responsible for is being obedient. And the results are all in Jesus's hand. But we see here the promise is that if we are obedient on building on that foundation, that he will build the church and it will not fall to the powers of heaven. And so we said last week that the church is a people, not a what? Building, place. The church is a people, not a place. Let's say it together. Third time's a charm, right? The church is a people, not a? 
The church is a people, not a place. That it is, the church is not the place where people gather, but it is the gathering of God's people who have been called out. The Greek word that we see in the New Testament used is, is ecclesia. It is the church, the people that are called out and assembled together. And so when we look at the New Testament, we see the church portrayed as the temple of God. But you're like, it's not a place. You and I are God's temple and that we are carrying God's spirit within us. That the church is the bride of Christ, an illustration of his commitment to us. And that the church is the body of Christ. That we are the hands and the feet continuing and fulfilling the mission that Christ was working on while he was here. And so when he left to ascend into heaven, his mission then became our mission. And so when we look at today's topic of, you know, the church on mission, we have to understand that the mission that we're on as Avenue Church is not the mission that I came up with. That the church was Jesus's idea and the church is fulfilling the mission that he has already started. And so I want to ask you this question though, and, and we talked about this a little bit last week. You don't have to answer, but do you consider church whether it's Avenue Church or any church you've been a part of, do you consider in your life, is church something that you go to or is it something that you're a part of? And so when, when you're thinking about church in your life and how you walk and move and operate in relationship with Jesus and growing in him and in relationship with his people, do you guys see this place? see this gathering as something that you go to, to, um, to watch, to listen, to learn, or do you see church as something that you are a part of? Because the church is not meant to be something that we attend. It's something that we're to be a part of. And if we're a part of it, then we also share in the mission of the church. And so when you look at this word mission, um, Mission is kind of a buzzword now. Um, mission and vision and purpose. If you're on social media at all, there's, there's all these accounts and memes that are directing us towards discovering our life mission, discovering our vis personal vision statement. Has anybody ever done an exercise where you write your personal vision statement? Right, A lot of us in here have done that. We write a personal vision, personal mission statement. We, we want to find our purpose. And I was listening to a podcast the other day and it's just made complete sense. If, if, if you grew up in the late 90s through like 2000, almost 2010, there was something that was called the prosperity gospel. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? It's like, like we were preaching the gospel, but it was so that people could prosper financially, right? And, and, and one of the, a couple of the actually primary forerunners in that movement have come out and have, have recanted on that teaching, saying I was wrong. And so now what has happened is we have shifted from a prosperity gospel to a purpose gospel. And that we are preaching Jesus and preaching the gospel so that we can help you discover your purpose. But let me just let you know, it's not about your purpose. And so it's not about you prospering. It's about Jesus's mission being um, continued today. 
It's about Jesus's mission being continued in your life, not your purpose. And look, I'm just as guilty like, God, show me my purpose. We've all prayed that, right? And we wanna help you discover your purpose, but you have to understand that your purpose is gonna fall under God's mission. It's like, you know, just, just, just thinking about your email inbox and you have all these folders and you can nest folders under certain folders, right? Your purpose folder is nested under Jesus's mission folder. So what you do falls in line. And so when we look at this word mission, mission is this, okay? Simply put, mission is being sent with a task to accomplish, Mission is being sent with a task to accomplish. And I want you to think about your favorite movie, whether it's animated or real life or a a series. In that movie, in that story, every good story that we watch or we read, there is a mission in that. And immediately my mind went to Lord of the Rings, right? (laughs) You gotta get the ring to Mordor to destroy. And so then, and then I have girls and so my mind went to trolls with Princess Poppy having to rescue the other trolls from the Bergens. You guys don't know about that, right? But every, every movie, every story has a mission. And so your life has a mission, but it is to fulfill the mission that Christ has already started. And it's gonna be played out in different ways. And, and immediately when we talk about mission, our minds go to Matthew 28, 18, the Great Commission, right? The Great Commission. And this is Jesus' final words in the book of Matthew right before he ascends into heaven and, and, and he's giving them their final marching orders. And so most churches, the majority of the churches, um, big C, big, this is where we take our mission statements from. Now, every church has a unique mission statement. And so like ours is we want to lead people to experience the way of life that they were created to live in Christ. Not um, the way of life you were meant to live, but we believe that you were created to live a certain way. And that way is only found in Christ, right? And so through that, we want you to experience God's unconditional love. We want you to find your identity in him, in Christ and nothing else, and then live out your purpose but every mission statement that a church has, it lines up with this. And so we see in Matthew 28, 18, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples. He says, look, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, what does he say? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you even to the end of the age, right? Even to the end of the age. And so we see Jesus taking his disciples and sending them with a task to accomplish. And if we were to simplify what those tasks are or that task is, he says to go into all the world, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that is evangelizing the lost. Evangelism is just a church word that means go and preach the gospel. And so the first thing that the church is responsible for is you and I, that we have to go and evangelize to the lost, to bring them in, help them recognize their sin, help them recognize that the shame that they're feeling 
feels like a bad thing, but it can, it can actually be a good thing if it directs them towards Jesus. And so once we evangelize the lost, then we just don't gather people in and we get everybody saved, give everyone their get out of hell free card and put them in a seat, come in and sing some songs. That's not the end all. So from there, then we have to disciple the found. Those who come in relationship with him, Jesus says, teach them to obey all the commandments I've given you. Other translations say that, that teach them to do everything that I've taught you. That is what we call in the church world discipleship. And when we look at discipleship and, and, and we see some of the commands that, that Jesus gives us in the gospels, uh, obviously we know that you are to love the Lord your God with everything and to love your neighbor as how? That's how he starts. But then he ends, he says, love each other as I have loved you. And so those are the two greatest commandments and everything that we could do in our faith walk is wrapped up in those two things, love God and love people. But even within that, there's all these actions and behaviors and activities that are nestled under that, like forgive those that hurt you. If someone slaps you, what do you do? Turn the other cheek, right? If someone asks you to go one mile, you go two miles. And so there are these lifestyles and these behaviors, forgive those that harm you. And at one point, Jesus says, you know, clothe the naked, feed the hungry, care for the widows and the orphans. And all of those are acts of discipleship where we are teaching, the church is teaching how to live and operate and act in the way that Jesus taught his disciples. So we're to evangelize the lost and disciple the found but this is something that's, the next thing is not something that's explicitly communicated in this, but there's also a building of community that takes place. Because he says to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But then we see Paul saying that we are all baptized by the same Spirit into one, what guys? Body. And so we know that the body of Christ is the church. That is the community. And so we evangelize the lost, disciple the found, all while doing it in the context of community. Jesus even did it within the context of community. He could have done it all by himself, right? He could still be doing it by himself. But instead, he calls the church, the body, to come alongside as a community to do these things as well. And so when, when we look at this Matthew 28, this actually isn't the first time that we see Jesus talking about his mission. When we go to Mark chapter one and Luke chapter four, this is kind of the beginning of Jesus's ministry. He has been sent or led by the Holy Spirit. Um, after he's baptized, the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove and his father in heaven says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then immediately it says that he is led by the spirit of God out into the wilderness to fast and to pray for 40 days. And while he is there, he is tempted by Satan and he withstands that temptation. He is tempted just like you and I are tempted, but he withstood the temptation. And then when he comes back, he begins to do some things. He begins to preach in the synagogues daily. He began to teach in the synagogues. And we see in, in Mark 1 and Luke 4 that he begins to heal the sick and that he begins to cast out demons. And so this is what we see in the beginning of Jesus's ministry. The beginning of his mission is to preach the gospel to heal the sick, and to cast out demons. 
And in Matthew, it says that, that he went around everywhere doing those three things. But, but I want you to look at what happens in Mark chapter one, verses 38 and 39. And so like Jesus was really just starting to like get a following, gain some notoriety, so much so that people in these towns would bring out those to him who were possessed, who were sick, asking him to heal them. And this is what he tells the disciples in verse 38. He says, but Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. What does it say? That is why I came. Jesus is doing in this, what he's declaring in this conversation is what his mission. And he says, so he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. So he could have stayed there. But here's what we have to understand about Jesus's mission, which is the church's mission, is Jesus's mission keeps us moving forward. That's a good place to say amen. Jesus's mission keeps us moving forward forward because if we're not comfortable thank you Steve if we're not like if we're not careful we will get complacent where we're at and so there's this tension for you and I like there's this tension because Paul talks about being content that I will be content in all seasons I will be content in all things and so if, if, if God allows us if Jesus allows us to build this church to 500 I will be content in that if, if, if this church only builds to 250, I will be content in that because we're to be content in all things. But as a church, we cannot get complacent and just stay there. And that there is still a gospel to be preached in other places, that there are still people to be reached in other places. There are still those that need healing. There are still those that we sing about that are in chains of bondage and demonic oppression and possession that, that, that we have to go and, and we can't stay where we're at. We can be content, but church, I don't ever want us to get complacent because there's too many lost and hurting people for us to be complacent. It'd be real easy just to get content right here in the Walnut House. Let's do two services, maybe at a third, right? No, <laughs> my team's like, no, right? But it can be easy to get complacent. But I don't want us to be content. But I also want us to look what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say we must go. He didn't say we must go on to other towns as well and I will heal them and cast out demons. That's not what he said. He said, we will go to other towns and I will preach to them too because that is what I came to do. That we will have, like we're building our youth ministry. We're going to motion in a couple of weeks. We're building our small group ministry. We have a prayer ministry. We have a children's ministry. All of those are secondary to preaching the gospel. All of those are secondary. Jesus didn't say, let's go heal some more people. Let's go cast out demons. Jesus said, I have to go so that I can preach to them too, because it is by hearing the word that people are saved, right? But we have to understand that Jesus's mission keeps us moving forward. Um, and we have to continue, just, just a, a side thought, we, we, we have to continue to innovate to reach people. Um, methods change, but the message doesn't. The way we did church excuse me, the way we did church a few years ago is not how we can do church now. 
the way that we will do church in five to 10 years is not how we're doing church now. And what happens is we get comfortable in how we do things and this is how it stays. We become an aquarium, right? Instead of fishers of men in the ocean. And so there will be things about Avenue Church that we're doing right now that is great, but we will not do it forever because as times change, our methods have to change. I heard a pastor say one time, you marry the mission, but you date the model. I was like, well, I married the model too, right? Come on. Uh, my wife's not even here to hear that one, babe. <laughs> I have to send her the podcast, right? <laughs> you have to listen to this on the way home, babe. Listen to it. Matthew chapter 10. Let's go there. Matthew chapter 10. Let's see what else Jesus' mission does for us. Um, Jesus called his 12 disciples. Matthew chapter 10, verses one and two. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits, to heal every kind of disease and illness. And so Jesus is now taking his mission and imparting it with the authority to his apostles, to his disciples. So he called them to himself and then it lists the 12 disciples. The last one, Judas of Iscariot, who later betrayed him. But then in verse five, so Jesus calls them in Verse one, verse five, Jesus sent out the 12 disciples and with these instructions. So we get called in, right? We're called out, we're called in, but we don't stay in. We are sent out on mission. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near and heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. Again, he's given them the mission. The most important thing is to preach the gospel, and then heal the sick, then cast out demons, then give as freely, give to the poor. But the primary mission of the church is to preach the gospel. But here's what Jesus's mission does. Not only does it keep us moving forward, but it should get others involved as well. Jesus called in the 12, and then he sent them out. Jesus's mission cannot it could, but he is choosing not to do it by himself. He chooses to involve creation in this redemptive work, um, to involve you and I, to involve you and I in our quirks, in our giftings, in, in everything that is unique about us. God chooses to use you and I to evangelize the lost and to disciple the found and to build community. You may be thinking, I'm not, I'm not a Bible teacher, how am I gonna disciple someone? By simply sharing what God has done in your life? How about we start there? Simply praying with someone as they're going through a season that is, is wearisome and burdened, that we are to bear one another's burdens, that we are to rejoice with those that are rejoicing, to mourn with those who are mourning, walking through life in relationship with Christ, but also with someone else. Just, we say this sometimes, just doing life together. Following Christ. You don't have to lead a one-hour Bible study every single Wednesday night. You don't have to lead, you know, from a stage. You can just lead across the table with a cup of coffee. <laughs> and what you're doing is you are discipling. So I want to ask you, like, like seriously, um, and I won't look at you because I don't want you to feel too convicted. 
Um, I don't want you to feel condemned, I don't, but I, I do want there to be some conviction. How involved would you say that you are um, in the mission of the church? How involved are you in the mission of the church? If you are a believer, if you have surrendered, we sang about that day, if, if you have surrendered your life to Christ, then you have become a part of the body, the gathered together with a mission, and you're a part of that mission, how involved are you in that mission? And it can be something as simple of who are you inviting to church? Who are you having a conversation with that you're praying with? And I'm not just talking about building this church. It's great if that happens, but I'm talking about building Big C. Who are you encouraging to maybe go to another church that's not Avenue? Yes, I said that, and I'm okay with that. Some people are like, just invite them to this. No, get them in a church. Get them a part of a community. And so maybe Avenue Church is your home. Are you um, connected in a small group? We're gonna be launching small groups again about the end of August, 1st of September. Like get, get connected and plugged into a small group because you are involved in that. You are sharing your story, what God has done in your life so someone else can be encouraged by that. Are you on a team? Are you serving on a team? We think, well, I don't really, I can't sing. I really don't like kids. Can you pour coffee? Come on, <laughs> right? You probably poured a cup this morning before you left, right? Someone, <laughs> you've got the skill to do that. Can you smile and wave, boys? Right? Madagascar, <laughs> penguins, anybody else's mind go there? <laughs> Can you smile and wave as folks are walking in? Maybe like, I don't know, can you give financially? There is something that you can do to be included in the mission of the church, not just Avenue Church, but Big C. What, what can you do? And so maybe if, if Avenue Church is your church home and you wanna be a part, we don't want you just to attend. We say that we don't want you just to attend, but be a part. And so we have a formal membership process. We used to call it growth track, but we're changing it to starting point because to me that just makes more sense, right? Where do you start? Starting point, okay? Like, how do you start to get involved at starting point? And so the second Sunday in August, during the second service, we're gonna have, start a three-week kind of uh, process of letting you hear our vision and values, how we do church, how we're structured, help you discover your giftings, how God has wired you, get you connected to a team. And I say this so much, guys, it's not just about what you do on the team, but it's who you're doing it with that's way more important because we can get warm bodies. Look, I've got three girls. They will serve in every area of this place all the time. But it's more about who you are connecting with. Using your gifts is great, but being connected to the body is so important. Matthew 28, last thing. Matthew 28, um, verses 18. We read this already. So Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them, teach these new disciples to obey all my commands that I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Now, my final point here is kind of fun, but Jesus's mission transcends space and time. <laughs> and like, I, I so wanted to reword that because it's kind of cheesy and kind of Star Wars, Star Trek-ish, right? 
But when I got to thinking about it, that's 1,000% true. It, like, like what we do here transcends the boundaries of Murfreesboro. Transcends time when we think about it in terms of like, like generations. And, and so Jesus started at first saying, look, just go to God's people. We read that in the beginning. Just go to God's people. And so he worked on that mission. He said, now I'm going to expand the space of which my mission is going forth. And now even in Acts, he says, go into all the world. Go into all the world. So it is limitless. It is boundaryless. And Jesus's mission started over 2,000 years ago, and it is still going. It doesn't look the same but it is still going and it transcends space and time in our reality. And I was thinking about like, how does this work? And so most of us in this room know Billy Graham, right? Um, and we know Billy Graham is probably the most well-known evangelist that our nation has ever known. But before there was Billy Graham, there was the gentleman that was holding a tent revival in his town for weeks. Does anyone know his name? Don't Google it. <laughs> right. Mordecai Ham. You're never going to forget that name now, right? Mordecai Ham. But had it not been for Mordecai Ham, being obedient, going to Billy Graham's little town and having a tent revival where they preached in the morning and at night for weeks. And Billy Graham almost didn't go because he didn't want anything to do with church. His parents went, but he didn't go. And just a few days before his 16th birthday, he gave his heart to Christ. And because of Mordecai Ham, generations have been changed. He wasn't known, but Jesus's ministry transcends space and time. And when I think about us, when we were moving here and we were going through the church planning process and I talked to Aaron and Jaden about this last night, it's like, like hearing all these church planners that were going out and they're like, God, God gave us this incredible burden for our city. It's like the moment I went there, we knew, like we just knew. And, and in, in some realities, that's kind of true for Jennifer and I. Like we came in 09 with some of our teenagers that were going to MTSU and thought, man, it would be great to plant a church here with all these college kids that we've done life with for the last four years. We would have been way more broke than what we've been now. It was like a starting group of just college kids, like college kids just broke. <laughs> and so they're, they're having to support me. Um, I ate out of the vending machine as a college student. So I'm getting their leftovers out of the vending machine. But I'm, I'm, I, was, I was walking and running one day, just kind of praying because I'd, I'd heard these stories of all these pastors who had these like compassionate stories of how God just gave them this incredible burden for their city. And I was praying, God, give me that burden for Murfreesboro. Give me that burden for Murfreesboro. And it wasn't audible, but it just really sensed in my spirit. He says, I've not given you a city. And I've shared this before. He said, he said I've given you generations. I've given you generations. Because the cities are great, but it's the people that are in the cities. And when you read in the Old Testament, God talking about his people, he's never talking about a place. He's talking about his people. And he says, your children, 
and their children and their children. And the New Testament says that as far off as those who are called. And so, yes, this mission, this ministry, it transcends space and time and generations. And what we're doing now will impact generations that we may never see transcends time. And at some point, I'm going to get too old to do this. I'm already too old to set up and tear down. But at some point, I'm going to get feel too old to do this 30 years from now or so. And someone else will stand here. And we'll lead the next generation because it's not about Murfreesboro, but it's about generations. And so Avenue Church, we are on a mission and it's not just one that I've come up with, but it's one that, that, that Christ himself has given us. And we have a responsibility, listen, to move forward with that. We have a responsibility to include ourselves and others in that and knowing that the promises transcend anything that we see or feel right now. And if you're here today and we do this every week and, and you, you don't have that promise, that, that eternal promise that is promised through relationship with, with Christ, Paul says today is the day of salvation. That today can be your day where whatever guilt or shame that you're feeling because of things that you've done or, or things that have been done to you or this, this sin, shame that we have, we can lay that at his feet today. And scripture says that he will give us rest, that he will give us a yoke that is light, that is a way, that is a teaching, that is light, that is easier than what we're trying to do now, trying to do things our way. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just just want to let you know, like if that's you, we're not doing this for Avenue Church. We're doing this for you and for those like you who are lost, who are hurting, who are broken, have tried to put themselves together and fix everything. We've all done it at some point. But we're doing this so that Jesus's mission can encounter your life and your life can be changed. And not just your life, but the generations that come after you. And if that's you today and you would say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm going to ask you to do something. And it's not, not so that those around you notice or that Jesus even notices, but it's so that I know who I can pray for. And if that's you today, would you just lift your hand and then you can put it right back down. Just for a moment, you can lift your hand and put it right back down. And then we're going to pray for you. Awesome. Awesome. Hey guys, look up here at me and then we're going to pray. If you raised your hand, in a moment, I'm going to pray. And maybe you didn't raise your hand, but, but something on the inside of you stirring, that is the Holy Spirit drawing you to a Savior that loves you. And as I'm praying, you're going to pray. And it starts with saying simply, Jesus, I give you my life. Not all you'll say, but it's a start. Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again for me, and I'm giving my life to you. And Scripture says that, that by the very belief in our heart and the confession of our mouth that we are sainted, that all of those, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved, not just some. Regardless of how bad you think you've been, it doesn't matter. He still loves you. And then I'm gonna pray for us as a church that we would live out not just Avenue's mission, but the mission of Jesus, that we would proclaim the gospel, that we would see the hurting healed, that we would see the oppressed set free. Let's pray together. Father, we just 
come to you, God. I thank you so much for your presence in this place. God, I thank you for your word, that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts between soul and spirit, between bone and marrow, transforming us from the inside out. God, let your word have taken root in our hearts today, that we would be changed as an individual, but also corporately as your body. God, that we would fulfill your mission that we would evangelize the lost and bring them in and disciple the found all within the context of community and building your body. God, forgive us when we get selfish and try to pursue our own ways and our own motives. God, bring us back in line as a church and as individuals with your mission for our life. Let our purpose be nested under your ultimate purpose. Let us pursue you above our purpose and that our identity be found in you. And God, for those that lifted their hands, God, or lifted their hearts and acknowledging that they need you in their life, God, that they are in need of a savior, that right there where they're seated today, God, that you would wrap your arms around them, God, that you would comfort them, that you would just engage with them. Your word says that your spirit joins with our spirit and we can call you father. And we don't, we don't know how that works. We just have to trust your word that says all those that are in Christ are a new creation, that all the old is gone and all things are made new. And God, I pray that they tangibly recognize and feel your presence in their life right now. We thank you for the forgiveness of our sins, placing them as far as the east is from the west, never to remember them again, that you forget them on purpose. When we forget things by accident, you choose not to remember. So God, we thank you for this day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, come on. Amen. Amen. Come on. Let's give God a hand. Hey, listen, guys. If you have prayed.